0: This morning, um, I have a privilege of introducing you uh, to our speaker, and some of you will know who she is, and some of you may not, because majority of the time, she's not in this room. Majority of the time, she is up the hallway ministering to our kids, Uh, but this morning, Pastor Ashley is coming, and she is going to share with you our last sermon on the fruits of the Spirit at Christmas, so why don't you give her a warm hand? Well, good morning, everyone. As Pastor Chad said, I am Pastor Ashley, and I consider it a privilege to serve the children's ministry. I love them dearly, and I am very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to love them, to serve them, and to just be with them each and every Sunday. Uh, However, it is also a privilege to be in here with you this morning and to just uh, bring the word to you this morning. So as Pastor Chad has also said, we're finishing up our series on the fruits of the Spirit revealed at Christmas, and our final fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Um, Kind of interesting, first Sunday of the year, we're talking about self-control. But before we get into that anymore, uh, let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for a brand new year and just the opportunity to come before you with a fresh, clean slate. But more importantly, Father, we thank you that each and every day is that new opportunity to start fresh. And whether this year was the worst year of our lives, a mediocre year, or even a great year, Father, we come to you and we ask you to have your will this year. We give you 2020 and ask you to use us, to change us. We ask this morning, Father, that you give us open ears, open minds, open hearts to hear from you, that you would keep me hidden, that this would be all for your glory, that you would speak through me and that you would use me. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So we already know this is the first Sunday of the new year, and I don't know about you, but... The new year means New Year's resolutions. Um, For many of us, I won't ask if you've done that. I know some people are anti-resolutions. They think they're just ridiculous, and why would you set yourself up for failure? But it's good to make those resolutions. Um, So just take a moment and reflect on that. Have you made those resolutions this year? Have you not? Will you? Um, I think they're good. Um, I, I like to take a moment to stop and think, okay, what can I improve on? But I'll be honest, I'm not one to sit down and go list. Okay, 2020, I will. Maybe I should. Maybe you should too. But anyways... Um, New Year's resolutions are often about having more self-control. We often go, well, I'm gonna eat healthier. I'll go to the gym more. I'll exercise more. Uh, less technology, less media. It's often about self-control. Um, however, I'm gonna take a moment this morning to challenge you to think about self-control a little differently. We often just think of it in terms of physical self-control. Um, those examples that I just listened, uh, none of those are bad. Those are all good. We are the temple of God for, for, um, for a reason. So we do need to take care of our bodies. We do need to set those resolutions in place. However, this morning, we're going to be talking about self-control a little bit differently. The definition for self-control is the ability to control oneself, in particular, one's emotions and desires or the expression of them on one's behavior, especially in difficult situations. So it's my job to control myself to control my emotions, to control my desires, to control how those feelings play out on my actions. I can be angry about something, I can be upset, I can be frustrated. Still need to work through that, don't stay there. But it's my job to work through that self-control and how is that going to play out in my life. Basically, self-control is the ability to control your emotions so that you can then uh, live out and exercise all of the fruits of the Spirit we've talked about so far. Um, a little bit interesting, one of those light bulb moments as you think, oh, it's not just the last one on the list. It really does cover all of the previous ones that we've talked about. Uh, so from Galatians 5, and 23, it says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, I want you to remember that first little bit. We're going to touch on it a bit more later, but the Holy Spirit produces these things. It's not me. The Holy Spirit produces these. I have a part in that, we're going to touch on that more later, but just remember that for later. So a couple examples. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times in my life that I need self-control. So number one, I need self-control when I respond to my husband, when he puts the dishes in the wrong place. Now, if he were here, he's at home with the boys right now, but if he were here, he'd go, well, I do the dishes all the time. Isn't that good enough? Um, true. But um, I, I can get frustrated when they're in the wrong place. We've been married six and a half years. Shouldn't you know where the dishes go by now? See, I'm working through this self-control. Uh, I also need self-control when my kids, I've got a four-year-old and a one-year-old, when they're testing my limits. Last night, Landon put us through the ringer and he wanted to just stay awake and cry and cry and cry and I needed that patience, um, but they, they push my self-control, they push me, they, um, but I need that self-control, it's not their fault, I have responsibility for my actions. I need self-control when the person cuts me off when I'm driving or they don't use their signal lights, drives me nuts. Um, I can have all of these thoughts driving through my head of all all the things these other drivers are doing wrong and, and why they should do differently, but I need self-control over those thoughts. Some days, as I'm sure the case is for you too, some days are harder than others. Some days it comes easy for me to have that self-control, to have that patience, that love, joy. All of those fruits of the Spirit come easy, and other days they just plain don't. Um, so Galatians 5, 16, and 17 says, So I say... Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. It doesn't matter how much I try in my own effort to be loving, to be kind, to exercise all those fruits of the Spirit. Some days are just playing harder than others, and I need that self-control, not in my own strength. We're gonna continue on that later. I need the Holy Spirit's help to have that self-control. I need to have self-control over those emotions we talked about. So when my husband does the dishes, I don't need to be frustrated. I need to actually stop and be grateful that he actually did the dishes, and they are, in fact, put away, and I didn't have to do it. So instead of being frustrated or angry that they're in the wrong spot, Okay, Lord, give me self-control. Thank you for doing the dishes and really be grateful. I'm working on it. I really, truly am. Um, I need to be patient and kind toward my kids. Um, They are lovely. But if you have kids, you know sometimes they sure know how to test you. Um, But I need to be uh, exercising that self-control because, number one, they're a gift. I love them dearly, and God has entrusted me to raise them, to love them, and to teach them. So I need to remember that. But also, the sad, scary reality is they're watching me. And if you're a parent, and you've seen your child react in a way, and you go, ooh, I don't like that, and you see it in yourself, that's painful. It's hard to watch your four-year-old do something, and then you realize, where did he learn that? Oh, I I just did that. So I need to exercise self-control in my reactions because he's watching. He learns, he repeats everything I say and do. And that's a good thing, too. It's fun to see your spouse's sense of humor through a four-year-old. It's hilarious. (laughs) But we also need to remember those times that we need that self-control in those difficult times, too. We need to be gentle towards the other drivers, because goodness knows we've all done all of those things, and I sure hope they're going to be gentle with me. I'm sure I forgot my signal light. I'm sure I've accidentally cut someone off but we're so quick to blame them and say, oh, they're a horrible driver. But if I did it, I'm so sorry, it was just an accident, I'll never do it again. But we don't want to extend that towards someone else. We need the self-control to go, oh, wait a minute, maybe they genuinely didn't see me. Maybe they genuinely forgot just like I did. So, transitioning from our examples to back to Luke 2, this Christmas story that we've been talking about. Uh, we're going to look at Joseph today and how did Joseph show self-control. And I want you to really immerse yourself in that story. Sometimes it's so easy to read over the stories, especially the ones that we've heard every single year. You've heard it so many times and it just becomes um, so repetitive and, and so familiar. But I want you to just stop for a moment and put yourself in that story. Imagine yourself as Joseph. Can you imagine all the emotions he was feeling when he found out his fiance was pregnant and it wasn't his? Would you show self-control in that moment? I'm sure he would have been pretty confused, pretty frustrated, pretty upset. Maybe more. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But just imagine in that moment how much self-control he needed to trust God and say, okay Mary you're telling the truth he needed an angel to come and tell him the same message but he trusted and he had self-control now think of this can you imagine the consequences of his actions if he chose to quietly divorce Mary legally he had every right to do so he could have divorced her quietly he could have even had her stoned to death but he didn't can you imagine the consequences if he did He chose to stay and by doing so, showed so many of the fruits of the Spirit as he cared for Mary and Jesus. That's a pile of self-control to put his own desires and feelings aside and say, no, I'll do what God has asked. Now think of Mary. She showed just as much self-control. Again, put yourself in the story. She was a young girl. Remember, this isn't 2020 where Mary's just going, okay, I'm having a baby, This was 2,000 years ago where she could have been stoned to death for sharing that news. She took on that reputation, those dirty looks, those those comments, because she chose to control herself. She could have acted on those emotions, but she didn't. She accepted the call. In Luke 1.38, it says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Now, we don't know how long this conversation is. It could have been 30 seconds, three minutes, three hours. The Bible doesn't say. But if you're anything like me, in the span of that conversation, even if it was as fast as how we read through it, my mind can race not just a mile a minute. I think sometimes it's like a 1,000 miles a minute, and it just goes and goes and goes and goes. And if I were Mary in that moment, I think I would have thought A to Z all the way through, I would have been terrified. I would have been so tempted to act without self-control and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You sure you got the right person? This isn't for me. I don't think I can do this. And the list goes on and on and on and on. But that's not how Mary responded. She controlled those emotions, those behaviors, those desires, and she said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She took on that shame, that, that public disgrace for the good of what she was asked to do. But not just individually Mary and the self-control she had, or Joseph and the self-control he had. But if you're in a relationship, think of the strain that could have had on their relationship together. They both showed self-control. As we said in the definition at the beginning, they controlled themselves, their emotions, their desires, their behaviors, in a very difficult situation. We would have understood if Joseph chose to quietly divorce Mary the consequences or the, the outplay of what could have happened in that situation were humongous. And we could have easily gone, yeah, I understand why he did that. We can look at the situations around us and go, yeah, I understand why. But I think sometimes we need to take a step back and go, okay, God, give me your eyes to see this situation and how it plays out. Because right now, I'm having a hard time with this whole self-control thing, and I need you to show me the next steps. I need you to show me how this would play out because I don't see it. And Mary and Joseph chose to trust. They chose that self-control and they said, God, we trust you. We're going to be obedient and we're going to faithfully accept that call to raise your son. Now, in my lifetime, I'm sure many of us here can say the same thing. Think of Mary and Joseph and, and their life was at, Mary's life was at risk. She could have been stoned as we've said, but she still had self-control. In my life, my life has never been at risk. It has never depended, the consequences have been so large dependent on my response or my reaction to a situation. I've never had that kind of temptation or pressure to act without self-control, yet I still do. Mary and Joseph still had that self-control even when they had tremendous pressure not to. Another definition for self control is, as the NIV study Bible says, it's victory over sinful desires. So, yes, they controlled themselves, their emotions, their desires, and behaviors, but we can also look at this as victory over those sinful desires. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 15, says, I don't rely, or I don't, sorry, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does. Now, we can kind of look at this and go, whew, I got a way out. There's my excuse. It's just the sin in me doing it. But we can all also step back and realize that's about as ridiculous as my four-year-old when I watched him from start to finish do something I asked him not to, and then come to me and go, it was an accident. We all know it wasn't. I saw him do it. I was waiting to see how it played out to know, "Mm, Kian, no, that wasn't an accident. I saw you do that on purpose. Just like us as adults, we can't go, well, it's the sin in me, it just happens. We can't do that. It's not an excuse to do wrong, but we also need to remember that our sinful nature is a reality. We are at at war against the evil rulers and powers and principalities. It's not some little fluffy, nice little thing. Not to scare you, but to remind us this isn't just for fun. This isn't just unicorns and rainbows. Uh, We do have a sinful nature and we do need to be aware of that. Continuing in verse 18, it says, and I know that nothing good lives in me. That is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, am I not really the one doing wrong? Is it sin living in me that does it? Continuing in verse 21 says, I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. The power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. All that to say we must desire what is good. We can't just discredit and go, well, the sinful nature in me, so it's it's inevitable it's going to happen. There is a sinful nature in us, but we have a responsibility to play in that too. We must desire to do what is good. But recognize you can't do it in your own strength. And that to me is the good news. I don't have to do it in my own strength. On those hard days, on those days where it just seems too big for me to handle and too big to control that in myself, I don't have to do it on my own. Verse 24 of, Hebrews 7 continue, or sorry, of uh, Romans 7 continues, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is d- dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Isn't that great news? Through Christ, we can have victory over our sinful desires as the Holy Spirit produces self-control. At the beginning in Galatians 5.22, that's what it said. It said that the Holy Spirit produces these fruit in us. It's not my job to produce them. It's my job to obey and to act on those but I'm so grateful that I have the help of the Holy Spirit to produce those fruit in me. And now you're probably thinking, okay, that's cool. Like, I know I have to have self-control. I know I have to have all these other fruits of the Spirit, but how? Uh, Tony Robbins, a life coach, he says, change happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Whether that be your physical resolutions or as we talk a bit more about self-control in our emotions, um, Is the change going to hurt more than staying the same? Change doesn't happen until you realize, actually, it hurts a lot to stay where I am right now. It's hurting me. It's hurting my spouse, hurting my kids, hurting my family, hurting my coworkers. I need to change, whether it's your emotions, whether it's your physical state. We need that self-control, and we need to recognize how to change in a good way. And don't worry. You don't have to do it on your own. Here's something that I like to remember. Um, It's something, again, I'm working on. I am a chronic yes-sayer. I have learned that very well from my father. I love him dearly. Um, But we have a pattern in our family of just saying yes to too many things. And I am working on that. And the best piece of advice I have ever heard, and I don't remember who said it, for every yes you say, you are saying no to something else. So if you're a chronic yes-sayer like me, remember that. But in terms of self-control, I want you to think of this. For me, I know it's easy to sit down on the couch at the end of the day, get the kids to bed and, okay, I finally get a minute to myself, let's just watch TV. There's nothing wrong in and of itself with watching TV. But what I need to remember is, what am I saying no to? I've said yes to TV, what am I saying no to? Have I done all the things that I needed to accomplish? Rest is good. Sitting, relaxing, that's good but is there something else I need to do? Am I saying no to quality time with my spouse? Am I saying no to more time quietly by myself with the Lord, praying, meditating on his word, allowing him to develop these fruits of the spirit in me? So again, it's not bad to rest and relax. It's good, but maybe we need to find a different way to do it because we need to remember whatever we say yes to, we're saying no to something else. What do you want your no to be? What do you want your yes to be? So now what? Pastor Chad said uh, a couple weeks ago, and I think this really uh, sums up the series so perfectly, and he said that as pastoral staff, we can get to the end of a series and just go, okay, cool, it's done. But what he said was that we desire all the fruits will come to fruition so that God will be glorified. It's not so that we can check off this box and go, we preached a good series. It's not at all what it's about. It's about God being glorified. Is it making a difference in my life? Is it making a difference in your life? How can God be glorified with what we've learned through this series? I'm going to share a little story with you to kind of uh, help that stick a little bit. I have a black thumb, like not a green thumb, a black thumb. I cannot keep things with roots alive for the life of me. Alex learned very early on when we were dating, do not buy Ashley plants. He tried a couple times, and by the time the next month came around and he'd bring more flowers, that plant was long gone. Uh, I can make cut flowers look beautiful. I love, love, love arranging and playing around with flowers, but I cannot keep things with roots alive. I have, for the first time in my life, kept a succulent alive for a year and a half. That is a tremendous accomplishment for me, and I can't promise that will happen with any other type of plant or that long ever again, but I did it. And because I did it, I thought, hey, I kept a plant alive, let's try the next step. I thought, Kian's old enough, he might enjoy this, we'll plant some some vegetable seeds. Can't be too hard, right? Like, plant them, water them, it'll all be okay. (laughs) Not true. But we planted some pepper seeds, and I remember the first time, you know, it it actually started to grow, it had leaves. But the first sign of that little flower, I was so excited. I got Kian, I was like, Kian, buddy, look, it's growing, we have flowers on our plants, it's growing, it's working. I was so excited. Now that flower comes off, and you can see like an itty-bitty baby, teeny-tiny pepper, like smaller than my pinky nail and we got even more excited. We were counting how many peppers were on this plant. We were doing it. I felt like an ace gardener. I felt like I could like come work with Rebecca. Not really. You've got me. Oh, I couldn't do it. you do great, though. But I was so excited for those signs of growth and improvement. And I think sometimes, I know for me for certain, in my life, I sit back and I want things to be overnight. I want this growth to happen. I learned something that needs to be done. I want it to be perfect, and I want it the next day. And I have a hard time with the waiting, with being patient, with allowing God to produce that fruit in me. I want it overnight. But what I've learned is that I think that God gets just as excited, if not more excited, over those steps that we take as I got about those peppers. We're his kids. We're his creation. I just planted seeds in the soil And I watered them, and the squirrels tried to take them, but that's besides the point. They didn't actually produce peppers because of those squirrels. But I got very excited about those flowers and baby peppers. And I think God looks at us and thinks the same. He goes, you did it. You took a step. I am so proud of you. You were faithful in what I asked you to do. Here's the next thing. The flower came, now it's time for the pepper. The pepper came, now it's time for it to grow. But it doesn't end there. 2 Peter 1, 5 to 8 talks about how we just need to keep adding these virtues to our life. In verse 8 from the NLT, it says, The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The more productive and useful as you grow more. Uh, The NIV says it differently. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, not perfect measure overnight, in increasing measure... They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it's not so that we can grow in these fruits of the Spirit and be glorified and praised and, oh, good job, you're so patient, you're so loving, so kind. The list goes on. It's not for me to be glorified or praised or to better my reputation. It's all for God's glory. So we can be productive, useful, and effective. And the best news to me is that it's not about striving. It's not about achieving, it's not about a checklist. There's not some gold star that I have to reach. Because I can be a perfectionist, I can be a people pleaser, a type A personality that likes it to happen and happen now, overnight and perfect, please. And we all know saying it out loud how ridiculous that sounds, but it's true and I wonder how many of us think that too. It does not happen overnight. Never once did the thought go through my mind that I was going to come out one morning and have Jack the Beanstalk in my pepper plant. Like, I know it takes time. I know it needs nurtured. I know it needs water. I know it needs sunlight. No squirrels would be helpful. But I know the things that it needs and that it takes time. Just like God knows what we need. And he knows we need time too. So why can't we give ourselves that grace to go, It takes time. It's a process. And I'm really excited to hear Pastor Chad's next sermon series, which kind of ties into this so well, that it's steps. It's not an overnight one and done, I did it, look at me go. It's steps in all aspects of our life, in all these fruits of the Spirit. As we exercise that self-control, how does that play out in all of the other fruits of the Spirit we've talked about? When an apple tree has water, sunlight, good soil, it's going to grow, just like that pepper plant. It's going to grow. It will produce apples. When we spend time with the Lord, when we allow the Spirit to produce that fruit in us, we will produce that good fruit. But, we need to take care of it. I'm a visual person, I don't know about you, but I'm very visual. And we can sit here and go, okay, cool, Like I've heard all this, I've learned all this, Like I'm going to have self-control. But, How many of us would look at that electrical outlet and want to touch it? (laughs) Don't do it, but here's an example. If I'm touching that electrical outlet, I'm gonna get shocked and that's a sight I don't want to experience, I don't want to feel it, I don't want to see that, but imagine this. The power from that is going into me and it's changing me. It's a process. I can't expect to take a light and set it beside that electrical outlet and ta-da, the light's not gonna go on. We need to plug into the power source if we expect the results. If we expect the results of these fruits of the Spirit, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to produce those in us. I can't just stand beside it and go, okay, here's the apple, like I'm just going to become that apple. It's not going to work. I also can't just sit here on the apple tree or, you know, sit next to that electrical outlet and go, well, you know, like, if I just sit here and see, you know, this little blemish here, if I wait a little longer, that I, I can fix that in my own strength. I can strive and I can, I can make this beautiful, perfect apple. I can be this beautifully self-controlled, wonderful woman of God. It's not how it works. The apple needs to be connected to the source to grow. I need to be connected to the source to grow. And then... It has a purpose. This apple will nourish me later. I will eat it. I will enjoy it. It has purpose. It has ripples to bring glory to God, to nourish people with this apple. It has a purpose. Galatians four, or sorry, 5, 24 to 25 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. So as you immerse yourself in God's Word, in His presence, allowing Him to lead you, those fruits of the Spirit that we've talked about, they will mature in us and be more evident to those around us. And as they become more evident to those around us, it will bring glory to God. So in closing... I just want you to know, none of us have it all together. can come up here with all these examples, this beautiful illustration, this apple, all of this stuff, but none of us have it all together. We're all a work in progress. My dad always says that he's not done learning yet because he's not dead, and he just turned 50 this summer, so I still have learning to do. I'm not dead yet. I'm still going to learn. I'm still going to grow. I haven't reached the goal yet. So remember, don't look at your neighbor and go, oh, well, they have it all together. Easy for them to have self control. I mean, they're not in the situation I'm in. Maybe true, but we all need God's help to show the fruits of the Spirit. We need to submit to Him, to follow Him, and allow Him to transform us. If I'm just going to stand behind that, or beside that electrical outlet with my lamp and expect the lamp to turn on, it's not going to work. I need to plug it in to allow that power to go through the lamp and do its purpose. Father, I thank you so much for this morning, for a new year and a fresh start. God, we give it all to you. We come before you at the foot of your cross and we say, I give you my sinful desires. I give you my my sinful ways, my temptations, my behaviors, my emotions. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come to fill in the gaps to give me self-control so that I can exercise love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Lord, use us this week to bring glory to you as we plug into your spirit and allow you to produce those fruits in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.